Hello van fans, welcome to another episode of VFF's Van Life Podcast. I'm so pleased that you're back with me to talk about vans for another week and to hear another interview. Thank you to all of you that got in touch with me from the first episode. It was so great to get emails from you guys and it was really nice to hear that you enjoyed listening and hearing about Jo and her journey. I'm so happy that um, anyone is listening, (laughs) to be honest. So um, thank you and I appreciate you emailing me. I received a lot of messages from you out there just suggesting subjects that you would like to hear covered on a UK van life podcast. So I've got a list here of the most popular ideas. Safety in your camper van as a solo female, that came up quite a lot. The best toilet solutions, always a big subject in the camper van world. Where do you go for a poo? That's what we all want to talk about apparently. Um, How to earn money while living a nomadic lifestyle. That's another one that came up quite a lot. The costs of converting a van and the process of converting a van. I think that is like one of the most popular subjects and it's definitely one of the biggest, uh, most popular YouTube videos, I think, when it comes to van life is like people showing how they converted their van. So I'll definitely do an episode on that at some point in the future. But the biggest request I got, which was awesome, is that you want me to talk about van life pets. You guys are mad about your pets. It's your dog, your cat, your guinea pig, whatever it is, you seem totally crazy about them and you just want to talk about them. I'm so happy about that. I would do a van life pets episode every time if I could, to be honest. I love dogs, I love animals, so... We'll definitely do a van life pets episode soon. And, you know, when I do have a podcast guest on that has a pet, we will be doing a deep dive into that. So don't worry, there is going to be a lot of um, pet content. So if you would like to get in touch with me, I really would love to hear from you. You can email me at vffspodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the Facebook page and send a message there as well. So last week's bonus episode was me walking around on Dartmoor National Park, basically shitting myself. Um, Some of you might have listened to that and thought, what a loser. Um, That's totally fine. I can deal with that. Um, But, you know, if you were listening to that and thinking to yourself like, oh, my God, that's me. I get really freaked out when I'm on my own out there in the dark or whatever. I just wanted to give you a quick update. So since I recorded that bonus feature, it was probably like a few weeks ago now, I've really noticed that with a bit of practice, I'm feeling so much braver now. You know, I'm now in a place where I've managed to quieten some of those scary voices in my mind and I'm actually feeling excited about going out and spending more time in my van. I'm parking up in places local to me that I would have been probably quite scared to park overnight before 
But now, you know, with a bit of practice, I'm going there and I'm closing the curtains. I'm feeling really happy and safe. And I just don't feel it's um, much of a big deal anymore like I used to. So for me, that is such a big step in the right direction. And I just wanted to say to anyone out there who is struggling or feeling a bit anxious, or maybe you've just started van life and you're just feeling a bit nervous um, about where you park and where you sleep, if I can do it, then so can you. You know, I'm really excited that it will keep going like that. And I just wanted to give you hope out there if you're feeling that way. I have some plans to make a big road trip soon, maybe up to Scotland. Um, I'm still not quite at that point. I'm not quite ready, but I'm really feeling like I'm getting to a place now where I can do that and I'm not going to be worried and I'm just going to go for it. So really looking forward to being in that headspace and I will definitely be recording some audio so you guys can come along with me on my ridiculous journeys wherever I decide to go. This week's interview is with Jodie. Jodie is a writer and a nomad at heart who spent six months last year traveling around Europe in her self-converted Ford Transit camper van. On her journey, she soon realised that the Insta-worthy moments were few and far between and the reality was car parks and campsites, not beach fires and banjos. We discuss anxiety around not fitting the hashtag van life image that you see all the time on social media and how that can affect you when you're a real human being actually out there trying to achieve this lifestyle. We talk about the fact that doing things your way does not make your experience any less valid. You don't have to be bathing in the ocean and camping in the forest to be considered a success. Jodie really inspired me and had so many quotable sayings that I've been carrying with me ever since we spoke. At the time, I wasn't that experienced with structuring interviews, so we did end up having a really lovely long chat on the phone, which lasted hours. So this episode is pretty long. There is a lot of information in there. You might want to listen to it in two parts just to get the most out of it. This episode is going to be really good for those of you out there that are feeling kind of nervous about exploring van life and you might be holding yourself back from achieving your dreams. Anxiety around van life is a common issue for people and this is definitely something that I will be exploring in this podcast. You're not alone out there if you are feeling anxious or nervous about van life and you can do it at your own pace. I've recorded a little bonus feature again for you guys, which I'll put in at the end of this episode. I was asked by a van fan to talk about my favourite things about my van, so it is pretty simple. As I said, I am starting small with these little bonus features. So you'll find that at the end of this episode after the interview. So without further ado, here is the interview with Jodie. So here I am at Bovy Beach car park, just parked up. It is a gorgeous evening. It's so clear. Um, there are a few clouds in the sky and it's creating gorgeous rays of sunlight that are shining through. The sea is super, super high tide and it looks so inviting. Unfortunately, I don't have time to go swimming today because I'm interviewing Jodie today. So I'm just getting all set up for that. The sky and the visibility is so clear today. I can see 
for absolutely miles. I can see the Edderstone Lighthouse, which is about 10 miles out to sea, crystal clear. I really want to tell you the story of the Edderstone Lighthouse. I'm going to do that soon on the podcast because it's a great story. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Jodie. I think that we're going to have quite a lot in common. I believe she's a travel writer. She sounds really interesting, so I've got loads to ask her. I can't wait. I'm going to go for a little walk and then I'm going to give Jodie a call. Hello, Jodie. Hi. I just want to start by saying I'm really excited to talk to you because when you sent me your email with the questionnaire with all your answers, I was absolutely like delighted. I was like, oh my goodness, you need to tell me how you got your house in Bulgaria. You need to tell me all about Portugal. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, you just kind of live your life and you don't really recognise it as being anything inspirational or, like, you know, anything out of the ordinary and it's only kind of other people's reactions that make you go, oh, yeah, like, I guess I am living a little bit differently to what's expected of people my age and stuff. And it's really, I find it really, like, affirming because I feel like I've just spent years with people telling me, like, I need to settle, I need to settle, I need to settle. And, you know, when are you going to come home and settle? And it's only recently that I've really kind of accepted that the road's not a temporary thing for me. I think settling's a temporary thing. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. But it's weird, isn't it? Because I think you just kind of spend a long time thinking, like, oh, everyone's doing this and you're not why is that and (laughs) questioning yourself and like not following your own heart because it's not what's expected of you it took me quite a long time to be like actually I'm not doing anything wrong this is just how I want to live my life (laughs) yeah no totally and I think a lot of it is about like learning to separate the noise of like trying to find your voice in the layers of everyone's voices like everyone around you society like what's expected what's been the trajectory of what you're supposed to do and it's really hard to unravel your own voice from all that noise and go all right what do I want yeah so I kind of you know I feel like when you're 21 everyone's like yeah go live in a van obviously you're 21 and then when you get to like 35 everyone's like what are you doing you're not 21 (laughs) you're not on your gap year anymore what are you doing that's it that's it everyone's like story into van life is just like so layered I think but um, yeah yeah, basically like I'd I've always been on the road so to speak I used to be a tour driver for bands so I've done a lot of like living in vans around oh that's such a Manchester thing I really (laughs) I wish I'd grown up in Manchester (laughs) I really do countries in Europe, got a house in Bulgaria, etc. Stayed there. Um and then came back to Manchester um due to like having to be here for personal circumstances and then a relationship yeah. breakdown and um so yeah, so I was in Manchester in bricks and mortar and just like really kind of feeling like, you know, life wasn't really looking the way I wanted it to look. And then I went to Portugal on a on a 
uh, surf camp holiday. I've been surfing for 15 years. So I went um, to Portugal and I just saw loads of people like still like being part of that community, like living in vans. And I was just like, oh shit, like, you know, I forgot that like that was happening out there and that was a possibility for me. It's like it just fallen out of my mind. Um, and Portugal, I really felt like a very strong affinity with, you know, just A, because, you know, it's such a good place to surf, B, you know, I saw this like van life community just kind of like thrive in there. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, this is, this is what I want. This makes sense to me. This speaks to my heart. Um, so I came back to England, um, got a van, kitted it out. And then two months later, I was like driving to Portugal. Um, wow. I'm, a, I'm a really slow driver. So it took me two months to get there. <laughs> experience but at the time again I think I was really looking for that community but also I just in my head I kind of expected that I would be like wild camping and waking up in nature and just like it'd be really easy to meet people and what I was faced with quite immediately was the fact that like I just didn't have the confidence to wild camp and Mm -hmm. that really became like a massive internal battle because I felt like it should be wild camping this was how this was what I was supposed to do you know I'd seen a lot of stuff on like social media and van life communities you know this kind of oh why would you stay on a campsite yeah Yeah, and like a lot of kind of like negative attitudes towards people who stayed on campsites and what was wrong with those people and so I felt like you know the pressure of this like to really I was like why why can't I do this and I was really like yeah really struggling with it and it kind of consumed a lot of my energy and enjoyment for the first you know the first like few weeks um and now you know I'm just like yeah like obviously if you you know it's like completely normal to just like be like yeah I'm not sure I feel safe just like as a a solo woman sleeping in the woods alone like that's you know yeah totally we all all have a different relationship to safety and like no matter how many times someone can go like you'll be fine it doesn't matter like it's about your relationship to safety I think it's a process I had to go through you know that that clouded a lot of the trip for me at the beginning especially just feeling like I wasn't doing van life right like you you had failed like (laughs) yeah somehow yeah like I just yeah I wasn't doing it you know uh, as you were meant to do it and um, I think that took a lot of unraveling and realizing that like a lot of those van life communities are are couples or like you know guys and safety is very different exactly and and just kind of like speaking out to that and just being like my experience is no less valid because I like don't sleep in the woods. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I mean the fact that you drove to Portugal is amazing for me. Like like you said, you're quite an experienced traveller. Um yeah. I would consider myself a, a really experienced traveller as well, but like the thought of being alone in my van at night was mm. so scary and still is to a certain yeah. extent and where I am at the moment I couldn't even imagine like driving to Portugal and like parking up somewhere on my own Mm. in nature I just I would find it incredibly scary yeah yeah and that you know that is 
you know that is like part of the reality part of the narrative but i also feel like in these communities it's not a narrative that's really discussed so yeah there's just this separation which i guess you get in all cultures right you know but there is there does seem to be this like pride of people who are just like well i only paid for a campsite one night in two years (sighs) and it's like okay that's yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to do, cool. But like, you know, understand why sometimes it feels safer to like be in a, a paid space. And it's not like we want to do this. It's not like we want to have to pay for our safety. Do you know what I mean? But like, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's just kind of for some people, the reality. And even though, you know, I'd really put myself on the other side of the fence of like not being so swayed by social media, not being easily malleable, by Instagram and stuff but it must have like seeped in somehow because you know I was like well where are all the people having fires on the beach and like you know hanging hanging out in swimwear around the vans and just like where's this community and this like you know amazing life that Instagram promised me (laughs) Um, you know I feel like this is probably true for a lot of people who, who travel in vans there's a lot of just hanging out in car parks hoping someone's gonna talk to you (laughs) (laughs) you know which is just like the way it goes yeah and also (laughs) it's actually really fucking dark (laughs) in in the middle of nowhere it's really dark and really scary I used to have like a little micro camper and me and my boyfriend went off to Cornwall I think it was actually and we parked on this cliff and I wouldn't go outside for a wee because it was just so dark and misty and we were like next to a graveyard and I was just completely freaked out um but (laughs) you know but the thing is I have actually now been slowly realizing that I can push through that fear and get to the other side which is something that I've actually found really good for my mental health (laughs) for this podcast actually I really wanted to focus on um, on what we've been talking about, like the side of it where there's loads of women that really yeah. want to do like van life, but mm. they're really scared and they they don't they're too scared to take that first step to mm. do it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I wanted to be the scared person and just be like, look, I'm scared and I'm still doing totally. it. Like, yes, and that I think that's what's really important is like to acknowledge it and not just dismiss it because I do see a lot of whenever people post in groups like I'm really nervous a lot of the response is just kind of like oh just do it you'll be fine and it's like while that's good intention it's not a very helpful response because like you know just do it is a slogan it's not like it's not helpful advice and you know or they say like oh make sure you've got loads of weapons in case someone breaks it Yeah, which is like, I don't know about you, if I had to wield a knife at someone, it'd just be a disaster. (laughs) You know, or then often, like, I noticed very male-centric responses. Or, you know, if you think bad things, bad things will happen, which is probably, like, the one that winds me up the most, because I'm just like, that's not true. (laughs) That's not how life works. Thank Um, God. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, thank God. As people with anxiety, thank God. That's not how life works. Like, um, yeah, so I just think it's kind of, like, yeah, definitely more helpful to just be, like, everyone to be like look we're all scared but you know like this is how we make it a little less scary or this is how we try and work through the fear or 
you know sometimes you've just got to sit in the fear and that's all right too like you know so like... do you feel like you got through the the fear when you first got to Portugal what happened yeah so I think I just um I think I just kind of came to you know it was like about knowing how to self-soothe and about mm -hmm. knowing my own comfort levels so what I found out for me was like all right, it's really important for me to just like be on a campsite to feel comfortable if I'm not with other people. Like I did meet a few people and then I'd like camp alongside them and that felt fine. But when it was just me in the wild, you know, I was like, whatever, like Portugal's so cheap. I'm just going to pay the like five euros to like be around other people and to just like, you know, whatever, just put myself in a level where I feel comfortable. I'm not waiting for a knock on the door in the middle of the night, whether it's the, you know, the police or yeah. some random or whatever. And I think it was more just like coming to terms with that decision and being like, that's a valid decision and that's okay that that's your decision. And that doesn't mean that you're a fucking loser or like, you know, maybe one day I will get all right with just like, camping on cliffs and forests and that's fine but it's like part of the journey you know and it's kind of good not to be there yet like I think journeys are journeys and I'm clearly still on mine I'm interested to see how how I get on on the next trip there without all these like expectations I think that's a really important part of traveling it's kind of you know you you go in with an idea and if it doesn't match that then you know what else do you get from it um, yeah it's part of the joy of it um, absolutely. It's always the things that you didn't expect that are the most interesting, I think. Like when you go travelling, you kind of know a few things about the place you're going to go to or what you're going to do. And then there's things that just totally come out of nowhere that you just weren't expecting. And that's yeah. like how you grow as a human being to experience yeah, stuff like that. Definitely, definitely, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just, yeah, all part of the beauty. You know, I always had this saying of like travel is retrospective fun it's like hellish at the time while you're doing it a lot because you're stressed yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> but then like when you're back when you're off you know when you're off the 20 hour bus journey from Vietnam or whatever like when you're back you're just like oh that was really cool but like at the time <laughs> you literally just hate it so yeah, travel that is... is retrospective fun <laughs> I love that that is so true that is so true. When was it? I think it was February or March this year. I spent a good few weeks on the south coast of Spain. And um, I spent most of the time really stressed in a dorm, an eight-bed dorm full of blokes yeah. uh, that absolutely stank. It didn't have any windows. The people in the hotel, the hostel, sorry, were like the most toxic, masculine oh. characters. And the whole time I was just so annoyed and pissed off. But then... I look at my like little videos that I took of me on the beach and I'm like, oh, I just had such a nice time. It's yeah, like, exactly, oh. exactly. And that's like part of it, right? You know, the reality is you just kind of, not like you forget the bad, but you just like digest the bad in a different way than you digest the good. And it's like, you know, and you learn something every time. That's what totally. that's like so wonderful about it, I think. So, yeah, I'm like really new to the whole camper van thing. This is really new to me. So it's really interesting to find out how, compared to travelling, how difficult I actually find it. Um, mm, but yeah. it gets easier. It's getting easier. I think so, you know, and I think, like, there's something to be said a lot about, like, 
having all your stuff with you like I really like that element of it but like you have got this home away from home and this private space oh like, my god you know, yes I think that's so important and especially after god after covid and well we're still in covid but after like lockdown yeah that I think really like cemented to me just like yeah I think I'm just gonna live in my van because you know Living with other people it's really difficult <laughs> oh my god honestly I feel like we're the same person I someone asked me to like talk about what I'd like about my van and mm. those things that you've said the fact that you have your own personal space that you mm. can make it completely yours yeah. and it's your personal yeah. private space and, and the feeling of safety and comfort that I mm. get from being in my yeah. van is unparalleled to like anywhere else that I've um lived yeah it's yeah. so I think relaxing. it's just you and it's just your vibe so it's like you're literally yeah. surrounded by your vibe i i'm like i'm quite a people pleaser so i do find living with people i end up compromising a lot of myself and you know um yeah so i just find like when i'm in the van i don't need to do that like i've not got to compromise anything and when i travel alone i've not got to compromise anything you know it's just yeah I've never actually never traveled with anyone I've always traveled mm. alone like I've the only time I think is when me and my boyfriend went down to Cornwall for a few days yeah <laughs> that's You're literally like, it I, wish I, was here alone. <laughs> I know I was like oh this is a nightmare I love to travel by myself it's just yeah so free yeah yeah you've just got to do you and you don't have to wait for people like faffing around. That seems to be what most groups end up doing. It's yeah. like, oh, where's so and so? Oh, they just went back in to grab this and that, and you end up just waiting around. I can handle my own faff, but like, yeah, we've got to handle other people's faff. No, like, oh. no, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, but also like, you know what you're saying about like staying local. Like this is so. This is the first year I've travelled domestically in England and it's really surprising actually because you know I, I feel like every year I just like run away well you know not, you're not like, running don't away run don't away. worry <laughs> I just run towards yeah yourself somewhere else. <laughs> um, but I found like traveling maybe it's just like post lockdown and just be like yes I'm out but I found traveling in England and Scotland to be just like really rewarding like it is it's very beautiful if you can get over the weather it's, yeah it's, it's a really you know great you, you know it's a great place to travel so you recently went to scotland with your mum is that right yeah i did so i did the nc500 which is that whole coastal route around scotland with my mum which was um yeah quite a surprise um like i said because well i've been living in manchester now for five years i'm about to leave the country and go back to Bulgaria for a bit um and you know part of like my guilt at like moving away from family <laughs> I was like right I'll just take my mum on a, on a on a van trip and you know we can have some time together and stuff um and she really like amazed me to be honest because she loved it oh so yeah nice. she loved van life and my mum's like 65 66 or whatever and you know doesn't like dog hair a lot I had two <laughs> dogs in the van and and she was just like a trooper like she just loved it and it's it was I mean Scotland feels really different to England because you've got those wild camping laws you know you mm -hmm. can just like park up and sleep anywhere in Scotland which just lends you know you feel more welcome than you know 
if you like in England, it's a lot of height barriers and like you know pitchforks, signs everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's not very like fan friendly. But Scotland did just feel like so wild. So you know, I'd really, honestly, I'd put it up there with one of the best countries that I've actually been to. Really, um, for for scenery, seriously, like I was just like blown away by like how scenic it was. It was an incredible trip. I'd really like to do it again, but much slower. I'd kind of like to take a couple of months and do it. Like I said, I'm a slow driver, so <laughs> two months <laughs> is like it takes me to get anywhere. What van do you have? It's a 1993 high top Renault Traffic camper van. It's a really nice mix between van and caravan. It was um, on eBay. And I just like started crying and was like, that's my van. Yeah. <laughs> and I just so bought it. I just paid like £4,000, which was like at least £1,000 too expensive yeah. for what it's worth, number one. And my boyfriend, Pavel, is a carpenter and it had already been refitted. It was kind yeah. of obviously like a surfer's van. Like someone had obviously been yeah. like, right, I need a van to go surfing and travel around in. Um, yeah. So it had like a big garage and stuff, but... It had like a bed across the back, but it was it was it wasn't really like very big. You couldn't really lay out on it, so we just ripped everything out and just built it over the lockdown. So it's like completely refitted now with like my design, which I'm regretting parts of. But you know, it's like a learning process, isn't it? Designing yeah. furniture is actually really a lot more difficult than I realised. The van I had before this one was like a tiny Citroen Bolingo and it was the smallest van in the world. <laughs> and I was like, that that van helped me know what I wanted in my next van. And I'm sure mm-hmm. like this van now will help me know what I want. You know, I feel like if, if it resonates with your like vans, then you'll probably always have a van. So it's always like thinking, all right, well, cool. What do I want from my, what's this van teaching me and what do I want from my next van, you know? Um, yeah totally with your bilingo you know you can only like put your clothes on in like specific positions and all that kind of thing you can't like you have to like have a system for just simple things like putting your jeans on or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) it just gets a bit much sometimes that's fine but then like yeah I think that's when yeah the bilingo I was in the Alps for a week with my dog and my dog was like had diarrhea and we were stuck in this like tiny tiny bilingo together and oh I was just God. like I need a bigger van <laughs> and that was like you know the point but I do you know I said this like I really enjoy about vans how it does make you like really mindful about things like when I'm in a house it's like I'll kind of stumble out of bed and make a coffee without even understanding what I'm doing you just like you know you're still half asleep but in a van you just kind of got to you got to think about it stuff a bit more the simple things and it makes you a bit more mindful about like what you're doing oh totally totally it's like I find that too it you have to change your speed of living Mm, to this you've got to be calm and you've just got to go with the flow and you've got to be in the completely present moment yeah and I'll just do that and we'll just be happy with that and then we'll move on to the next thing in a relaxed way (laughs) yeah that's it and it's the small actions that make the day and also just like I really love how there's just like a thin layer between me and the outside world like finding a house you know it's just like so much more effort to get yourself from a house to the outside whereas an event just kind of open the door and you're there 
Yeah, go out for a walk, come back, Mm. read a book, have a cup of tea, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go out again now because it's a bit different. Like, you know, the sky's different or the temperature's different. Yeah, it's that reconnection, isn't it, to the the natural world in a comfortable way. And your van is a Ford Transit. It is. It's a Ford Transit, um, medium wheelbase, semi-high top and very short so it kind of suits me I can stand up in it no one else can but I can I mean sometimes I wish I'd gone for a long wheelbase because you know yeah. I see pictures of long wheelbase and I'm just like yeah you could totally like separate I mean mine's fine I've got like a fixed double bed that I fit in fine oh, nice. across the back I've got a kitchen unit with like a table that pops up for when I need to work um, I've got a bench seat and you know storage and stuff so um that's I guess that's kind of all you need but you know sometimes you see the pictures and people have got like a separate living space to their sleeping space and a separate kitchen and you're like oh that looks nice yeah <laughs> or they've got like a shower room <laughs> yes I, yeah so I was talking to a friend the other day about like how I really wanted to have a shower room and she was like yeah but you know it, think about how much you'd have to fill up the water tank and I was like Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) And again, it was kind of that reiteration that, like, you know, you don't take anything for granted in a van because it's like, yeah, you'll get a shower for, like, a hot shower for five minutes, but then you're going to have to do a lot of work after that to compensate for that five-minute hot shower. And, you know, just park by the sea and then you can just go swim. Yeah, there's nothing that makes you feel more clean than just swimming in a cold sea and just, like... When I go swimming in the sea, I come out and my hair is just in beautiful condition and my skin is, like, so soft yeah. and smooth and, like, I just feel so energised and ready yeah. for the day kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a healer. The sea is, like, the number one healer, I think. Oh, like, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're so lucky to kind of grow up. What, you're in Cornwall, right? No, Plymouth? I live, yeah, I live in Plymouth, so it's just on the border. It's on the, on the border of yeah. Devon and Cornwall, so many, many days spent, mm. you know, in the sea. My mum couldn't yeah. get me out when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, that relationship with the sea is, like, such a special relationship, and, yeah, really lucky if, like, you grew up around it, I think, you know with surfing as well it's just kind of like being a slightly anxious person you know you can't let your mind wonder you've just got to focus on like okay what's coming next what's here now what's coming next like each wave you've got to focus on each wave and it's kind of like meditative like because you literally can't allow yourself to think outside of what you're doing in that moment um which is really healing practice you know like a real gift it's a relationship that kind of mirrors the like van life relationship too, where it's like kind of questioning your whole fear element around it. You know, it's quite scary to like paddle out back. And, yeah. But that's also, again, what surfing is supposed to look like. You know, you're suppo- it's, surfing is supposed to look this certain way. And if you don't live up to that image, you know, again, it's very, it mirrors that van life experience completely. But um, yeah, so that's been like a really interesting journey as well of kind of like why do you do things and what about makes you happy and can you stay connected to the things you know can you stay connected to like the reasons why something makes you happy without imposing all these like self-limiting beliefs on yourself you know about like well I should oh well I'm not doing it like this so therefore I'm not doing it properly and therefore why am I doing it all you know 
Oh my goodness. Sometimes I listen to the voices in my mind that I've created for myself telling me how wrong I am for doing something or I'm imagining that all these people are looking at me and thinking so mm. doing this podcast is kind of me trying to break out of those things that like scare me so yeah. I decided I was going to do something that would make me feel uncomfortable so I just took mm. my microphone and my headphones and just went out for like a walk to see if anyone yeah. would speak to me basically and I oh, there was literally sorry. no one there and in my mind, I was going, oh, they're all going to think, who does she think she is with her microphone? Who does she think she is walking around like some sort of like influencer? And I'm like, sorry, do you mean that old man walking his dog or like that woman who's just in her car reading a book? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. But I think that's like, you know, that's a real sign of growth and like bravery. It's kind of like we've all got those voices and it's kind of like pushing against it. Like no matter how small, eventually, you know, you just learn to kind of push them down and shut them out and well, I hope you don't. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't. And if you don't, it's fine. I, I, I read a really good article the other day. It was something about, like, you know, the radical act of sucking at stuff. And it's just like, <laughs> we never allow ourselves to be bad at shit. Do you know what I mean? We always expect that we've got to be, like, great at stuff. And you shouldn't do stuff if you're not good at it. And it's just like, why? Like, it's okay to, like, suck at stuff. Two years ago, I decided I was going to learn to skateboard at, like, the age of 34. I was just like, I was like, I really want to learn to skateboard. And just, like, went along to this, like, you know, Manchester, this hip night with 16-year-old girls who were dead cool. Just, like, and I just walked in. I was like, yeah, I'm here to learn to skateboard. Um, and it was really scary. <laughs> like, I felt like an absolute idiot. But I think it's those things that are really good. Breaking through your own self-limiting beliefs and just being like, well, why can't I? Yeah, because in in five years' time, it's not going to matter like what those sixteen yeah. year old girls thought of you. But if yeah, you can do actually, something, they were just like schooling me. Like when I'd do something, and one of them would go, "That was really good," and I'd go, "Oh no, it wasn't." And literally, the sixteen year old girl was like, "Hey, don't put yourself down. <laughs> don't let me hear you say that about yourself. Yeah, you own that shit. You were good." And I'm really happy. That's what's happening. If young girls like Oh totally. It's like a new generation and they're they're so like emotionally intelligent. It's like it's wild. Yeah. I love it. Like, I'm just like, I'm really hopeful. That makes me so hopeful, you know. Think about when I was 16 and that certainly wasn't, you know, the the environment I was raised in. I mean, you know, we grew up in the time of, like, FHM and loaded total, like, toxicity just horrible oh times <laughs> so many lost years as a teenage girl just watching boys play computer games and smoke weed totally like <laughs> I, you know all my male friends were like in bands i was more talented yeah. than all of them put together but i yeah. didn't have the confidence to be like i'm gonna be in a band especially in devon probably was a little bit different um in manchester but it was just unheard of it is so nice to see like young girls doing stuff that i just wouldn't Definitely. have been able to do it's never not like you know not like it's never too late but just like i really appreciate it just like go into that skate park and i'm feeling like this is something i really wanted to do when i was like 16 but couldn't because like i didn't have the confidence or that just wasn't you know it wasn't facilitated for for girls like me and that it's never too late to kind of grant yourself those freedoms that you deprive that were deprived 
from you, you know, when you were younger because of the world we lived in. I love that. It's about claiming it, reclaiming it, you know. And the same goes for, like, this van thing, you know. A lot of people are just getting mortgages right now. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm just like, out of all my friends, I'm the only one just like, yeah, I'm just going to go, like, hang out in my van. (laughs) And, and like, and to try and be all right with that. Like, and be like, yeah, this is my truth. Like, this is where I feel at my most authentic self, you know. I've been trying to find options for myself, especially in this pandemic where I feel like I can't really just go off somewhere. I'm not quite ready to push myself out into my van, but I am actually getting to that point now where I'm like, how much more of this unhappiness can you take just because you're too scared that you you don't want to go to the toilet in a bucket Well, you know, I think, like, it's really important to remember, like, this, you know, I think we give ourselves a really hard time in life about, like, action, and I think some really helpful advice I've had over the last few years where, you know, a friend of mine was just, like, knowledge doesn't always mean instant action. Like, you can know something but not have to act on it immediately. So if you know that you're not happy somewhere and you know that, like, this isn't how you want your life to look, that doesn't mean that tomorrow you have to, like do something about it you're already doing something about it by knowing it and it'll just like take some steps to get there and it's about having the inherent trust in yourself that when the time is right you will do something like I love that yeah like I and I I really felt that like I didn't plan to hand in my notice at my house I knew I wanted to and that I wanted to live in the van for like the last like couple of years but Never quite felt there, wasn't sure when I was going to do it. And then I just woke up one morning, I was in Devon. And without even thinking, I just like sent an email and I was like, I'm done, I'm out. When the time comes and it's the time, you'll you'll do it. Like, And you don't need to like waste precious energy thinking about when you're going to do it because that's in you and you will just do it when it's time to do it. Sometimes I kind of feel like I'm not really sure. I know that I don't want to live in a house. Yeah my absolute dream scenario would be just to have like a field that's all I really want I just want a field and I want to make like a really amazing little garden so happy to have that but I just feel like it feels so unattainable at the moment and I feel like there's so much bureaucracy around um, land ownership in England in England yeah it seems that way yeah yeah but you know the time will come and there is I think that's it it's like it's hard to see the alternative sometimes of like well I guess I you know we're all just being herded down this one road together of like <sighs> all right off you go go get your job and your house and your kids go on and it's like really really difficult like we underestimate how difficult it is to just kind of like get off that road or turn around off that road like even if you know it's like not for you or some parts of it aren't for you, it's, like, very difficult to kind of weave that into reality or find a different route, like, and I'm really, really grateful that I do have that house in Bulgaria because that's taken a massive burden off my shoulders about house ownership because I would never have been able to do it in this country, like, ever. Yeah, so tell me about your house in Bulgaria then. What? How did that happen? Yeah, so it's quite a funny story. So, um... Yeah, so after when I was after the tour driving, um, my partner and I at the time, um, he was he well, he is Canadian and um he got denied entry into England, um mm. 
because of you know immigration and shit um so we found ourselves just kind of like homeless in europe for a while um just kind of you know hitchhiking around and like sleeping rough and like living in tents in paris and stuff um, and that was like all fine and stuff for a while and then I kind of started to get a bit tired of it um, so I literally googled on the internet I was just like typed in cheapest place in the world to buy a house and um, Bulgaria came up as, as an option that seemed like the most feasible like ge- geographically um, and, I, and I saw that you could like buy houses for like you know like five grand um, and I'd never been to Bulgaria before, but um, I ended up just getting, uh, you know, I had a friend in Norway at the time, so I ended up like getting a job in Norway as um, a nanny for like the royal family in in, in Norway, <laughs> which was just kind of like a really random experience. But um, anyway, I went to Norway for a year and I just like worked and I saved as much money as possible, which you know. I left Norway with about, I don't know, like 12 grand or whatever. And just got in a car and drove to Bulgaria. And uh, and yeah, it turns out you can just buy a house in Bulgaria for like five grand. So that's what I did. Who, who did you buy it off? Like, did you go to like, do they have estate agents kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, so they, they have a lot of estate agents. So we set up a lot of like viewings with estate agents. Like, because they live in, um, it's like pretty low in Bulgaria. So we were able to just like rent a small house while we like went on all these viewings. Bulgaria is like, it's a beautiful country and it's like really interesting. Um, it's got a lot of houses for sale, very cheap, obviously, because there's not a great economy there. Like, there's not a lot of jobs. But it's it's definitely changing now. And um, this was 10 years ago. Um, so we, we were looking around loads of houses with estate agents. And then we happened to just, like, meet some people. And one of them had, like, a house. You know, it's, it's actually, like, recommended if you want to buy a house in Bulgaria. It's best just to go and ask around the village, ask the mayor. Um, and you'll just get shipped. There's so many houses for sale, and you'll just get shown some houses. Um, no way. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we bought the house, and like it's you know it was completely habitable. It's we we moved into it the first winter. You know there was, you know it was a tough first winter, but um but it's like you know it's got three bedrooms. It's got like a good chunk of land, like uh, an acre of land or more. Um, and uh, yeah, we lived there for five years full time. Um, we were the youngest people in the village. Everyone was over the age of 60. It was such a, a great experience because everyone is very self-sufficient. So everyone grows their own food. Every house has got a well in the garden. You chop firewood for your log burner in the winter. You know, it, it's a very rural, simple way of life. And at that time, you know, Bulgaria, you know, you couldn't get like a tomato in winter. You just had to like live off what you could, you know, what was grown. Now it's changing a bit, you know, I've still got the house and, and like I say, I'm, I'm going to go back there this winter and, you know, I'm going to try and start making that a bit more of my base. There seems to be like a, an, an exodus of more young people moving there and, um, yeah, it's just playing catch up a bit, you know, there's there's like cocktail bars opening and vegan restaurants and stuff, so it's getting quite cosmopolitan. Um, so it's it, but for me I just feel like whenever I start to have a meltdown, all my friends are like getting mortgages and having houses like real people and I'm just like, you know, still thirty six and living in a house share. I remember that I've got a house that I own and and that like really helps alleviate pressure from my shoulders. It makes me just feel 
a lot calmer about life. And also, you actually own it rather and than the it. bank owns it and you're paying the bank every exactly. month and they can take your house away whenever they exactly. want to, basically. I mean, exactly. I know it's not and that it's... simple, but... No, no, it is that simple. It's 100% that simple, I think. <laughs> like, I think... And also, I could never have, like, I'm self-employed. Like, no one would ever give me a mortgage in this country. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't think I'd want it anyway. Yeah, so it's like, it's it's a real weight off my shoulders. And, and that's what I think is interesting. You know, there are alternative options out there. It's just kind of knowing that you can type into the internet the cheapest place to buy a house and then to make that a reality. I think that's incredible yeah. that you just went, right, here we go found a house, <laughs> found yeah. somewhere to live, let's do this. Like, that's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've kind of, I know that this is, I, I'm I'm super aware that, like, this can sound like a really, you know, I recognise my privilege in the world as, like, a person that I'm able to say. I just feel like if someone can do something, why shouldn't it be you? Like, you know, if, if the option's out there, why shouldn't I try to make that a reality for myself? Which, again, I know that's, like, a really privileged, that comes from a, place of privilege being able to say that yeah you know uh, a western white girl so I understand that (laughs) but um, yeah if you're able to just kind of think outside of what everyone around is doing then there is alternative options I always think like if there's somewhere I want to go traveling and I feel a bit nervous I always Mm. just think to myself like thousands of people have already walked down that road there's yeah. no reason why I can't walk down that road. Like, you yeah. could go to most yeah. places in the whole world and you'll find a tourist trail. Even yeah, just because definitely. you didn't know it was there doesn't mean that it, it isn't there, if you know what I mean. Okay, so today I'm telling you guys about Fetcher Chocolates. Fetcher Chocolates is an independent, female-owned business that sells luxury, handmade, vegan chocolate. I've been eating vegan chocolate for years and nothing comes close to Fetcher chocolates. It tastes amazing and it looks beautiful. It really is the perfect gift for special occasions and something that everyone can enjoy. It's dairy, gluten and soy free, so great for allergy sufferers, but also for anyone. I mean, this chocolate is so good. You don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. There are classic flavours such as milk chocolate mousse and golden salted caramel, as well as these special Christmas flavours, gingerbread, milk chocolate orange and white chocolate candy cane. I loved the blackberry mousse bar with homemade bramble jelly and real blackberries. I'm definitely going to be getting that one again. It smelt incredible and it tasted so good. When I received my order, I was really impressed with the beautiful presentation. The colours are brown and black with a really classy gold logo and the packaging can all be recycled as paper, so no plastic in sight. Fetcher also plants trees to offset the packaging, so it's an eco-friendly choice as well. When I want to buy a friend a beautiful, delicious gift, I just go to fetcherchocolates.com and I get them a gorgeous gift that they will love. Fetcher Chocolates are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off with promo code VFF. Enter promo code VFF at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your order. Yep, that's 10% off. So go on, go to fetcherchocolates.com and get that chocolate in your life. You will not regret it. Definitely. And I always think like a lot of the fear, like I always say, 
to my friends who are like a bit ang- anxious about booking solo travel, I would say the worst part is before you book the ticket. Once you book the ticket, once you've stepped on the road, once you've like taken Packed the definitive action, that. that it all becomes easier after that. It's kind of that space where you're trying to decide whether to do something that's like the scariest. I think it's like a proper endorphin rush, like when you face your mm. fear and you just press the button that's like books the flight yeah. or or makes yeah. the payment or whatever and you're suddenly just released from all this like indecision and fear and you're definitely. just like I'm doing it <laughs> definitely and that's how I felt like literally when I handed in my notice at the house that I'm in now I like I could have kept it on I could have like continued to pay rent and just like taken a break in my in my van and you know had that safety net but I really felt I was like I need to pull the safety net out from under me because that will force me into the next phase of my life. Sometimes the safety net's good, sometimes it's bad. And it's so easy to just kind of become complacent in life. And like, we all do it when we need to. And But it's kind of like recognizing when it's 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 time for a new phase, do you know what I mean? Time for something else. Like, yeah, and you're right. Like you do, sometimes you do have to take a break from, you know, you totally. can't just... You can't just be, like, constantly on the go. I think you do no. have to take time. Um, yeah, because it takes time and effort to, like... And it takes stillness to know what you want to do next. And I think, actually, like, you know, it's really hard to know what you want to do. I think one of the hardest things in the world is knowing where you want to live and what you want to do. <laughs> just think, like, it's impossible <laughs> to figure out. So, you know, but so much onus is put on it of just, like you know, of things that you should know in life. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. you've got yeah. to know, like, that... I always found that so difficult in school. It's like, right, you need to know what you want to do for the rest of your life at the age of, like, 16. Yeah. And you've got to know where you want to live, basically, for the rest of your life and who you want to marry for the rest of your life. I'm just like, yeah. no, I'm going to live six months by six months because that's realistic Definitely. for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know how I'm going to feel in a year. I don't know what's going to have happened. That's it. And best laid plans, like Jesus Christ, you know, I mean, anything can happen overnight. Your whole life can change. And, you know, like this pandemic, has that not been proof for everyone that just like can't plan in? (laughs) It's like, it's good, but also just don't marry your plans. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) And that's you know, like, they'll all go out the window. <laughs> that's a massive realisation as well that I think that, like, younger people need to go through because they've, like, grown up in this really idealistic social media, everything should be perfect kind of world. Yeah. Like, putting down the burden of dreams, it sounds like a lot grimmer than it is because, like, when you put down... When you, you think something's your dream and then you get to leave it behind go forward with empty hands and you don't know what you're going to pick up next and that's actually really freeing and really exciting okay I can totally see why you're a writer for a living because that was the most <laughs> beautiful <laughs> poetic thing I've ever heard in my life like <laughs> that was yeah absolutely put it down and just hold your hands out and see what life puts into yeah. them yeah that's it that's it it's kind of and that, I think that's what's so great about just life in general. I find that really exciting about life. It's like one minute you could die, one minute you could just like find the love of your life. Or, you know, I find that just really exciting about like life that you just, who knows what's coming. Yeah, like, especially if you're the kind of person like us that 
does a lot of traveling you do oh, get yeah. into these situations that are so different from like a year before it sounds like you've yeah. done quite a lot of driving like overland yeah i'm into the road trips i really like it i was actually at the start of this year i had to get like repatriated back from america because i was driving across america on a road trip when, when covid hit no <laughs> way like, yeah i was doing like the deep south of, of america um on a road trip and then yeah i don't know i like i like dry i like overlanding because i just feel like you're in control of like your choice your destiny <laughs> yeah definitely definitely like and and you can feel like part of the nature you know what i mean like a bit more i mean less so in a in a in a vehicle than on a bike or something but it just kind of feels a bit more like you're immersed in it a bit more and you can go a bit slower and stuff so did you buy a vehicle or did you rent a vehicle in in america um i actually used my mother-in-law's vehicle so she she had a vehicle and they live in texas so i flew into texas borrowed their car and then just oh fantastic drove three thousand miles across a bunch of states with literally covid on my heels everything was closing down behind me oh (laughs) my god surreal experience oh my god i i had a similar experience not as amazing as that it was just in cornwall but i was on a road trip in cornwall as covid was like closing stuff down and it was like it was like being a journalist yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. look at this crazy shit that's happening. <laughs> yeah, well, because, few, you know, it's like few people would have got to see, like, those final days of yeah. that place or that establishment or that, you know, it's just like, it was really, and to just, like, see people's reactions, like, you know, totally. who aren't your friends, just strangers' reactions. The tension was, on. I don't know if it was the same in America, but in Corn- even in Cornwall, the tension was so high. Mm. Like people were breaking out into fights and stuff. I saw two people. I saw two fights. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like, mad. You'd think people would want to stay away from each other. <laughs> Why are people fighting? It was crazy. It was. I I remember thinking to myself like, what a time to be alive. What a time yeah. to to see this. Like this is mad. Yeah. <laughs> it was bonkers. I had a really weird night. I was in Montgomery, Alabama, and I had booked to stay in like. Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who's like the writer who he wrote The Great Gatsby and stuff. I'd booked to stay in his apartment, like above this, you know, museum of the Fitzgeralds, which mm-hmm. is like um anyway, so I turned up in Montgomery and they just had COVID hit like that day and the woman answered the door and she was like you know, she was a mess and she was just like, it's here, COVID's here. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, I ended up, because of just the panic, getting locked in this museum alone. What? (laughs) Yeah, it was really weird. So I got locked in this museum, which was like this 1920s style museum. So it had all these like creepy dummies and And statues, I I guess, I bet. Yeah, and I was locked in and I was the only one there. And I literally was just like what happens if like the plague has hit like covid's hit and i'm just i die in here because oh my like, God. everyone forgets i'm here the museum's got, not going to no open for food. months <laughs> i was like i've got no food i've just got a bottle of wine <laughs> i was just like shit and i was I, that was really probably one of the most surreal nights of my life because i was just like had no idea that what was going to happen whether i was going to get out <laughs> sounds like something out the shining 
literally that's what it felt like. I was just like, is this real? Like, what's going on? Is this the Twilight Zone? Yeah, it was It was a weird time to travel across oh America. God. Being locked in creepy um, buildings is not good. Being locked in creepy buildings, it's, yeah. It's like part of that rich tapestry of life. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. You must have been one of the last people to basically go to be like a tourist in America. Mm, yeah, it felt like that. Yeah, everyone, I was in, it was interesting as well because I was in very rural, rural, like backward. I did, I was on like a, a tour of the Mississippi Delta, driving through the Mississippi Delta and, you know, it's really rural out there and, and I just kind of, like, you were just, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, this is a weird place to just see this out. Um I was very happy as a traveller that I was travelling right up into the day of lockdown because oh yeah, that was important to me to just like, you know, I really struggled being in one place. Um, so it's the last, the summer's been, been a challenge. <laughs> Especially I think if you're in a shared house, like you feel it a lot because there's literally just like, you know, no, no, no escape <laughs> like yeah. you know it's like there's no yeah there's just no solitude to be had and no yeah no space like um and you can't control your environment shelter. either no yeah yeah which is also really stressful during like health pandemic i found because you know you kind of hoping everyone like aligns and kind of how they're dealing with it and stuff and i did a lot of like coming to sit in my van when we were in lockdown I'd just be like I'm gonna go hang out in my van all day even if it's just sat at the front like you know <laughs> it's just like just be in the van and out of like that you know just separate environments almost and oh yeah, yeah me too I yeah. I this van saved me my mental health over mm. the lockdown this if I hadn't have had this van I mm. don't know how I would have got through it at the beginning of the lockdown I was I thought everyone was the same as me, but it turns out I was through the roof anxious about it. I even said to my boyfriend, like, don't touch the banisters yeah, in the house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, yeah, don't touch saying. anything. Don't touch anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm still a bit there. It's taken me a while to, like, you know, even right now, I'm just like, I just wash my hands 20 times a day. <laughs> like, and, but I think, like, yeah. the world needed people like that because if yeah. everyone just didn't care then mm. it would be I, I think it's better to like be cautious that's really interesting as well in the house I was at the time living with two girls and they really didn't get on with each other and one of them was like super anxious about COVID but like wasn't selling it as anxiety because maybe she didn't think of herself as an anxious person so we're selling it as knowledge which <laughs> like if you're a bit of an anxious person like me I was just like oh yeah like, and it took me a while to recognize that oh no this is someone's anxiety that's playing out here it's not knowledge it's not gospel yeah I think like it, it was a tough time for people in shared houses even if you like love your housemates and stuff and have a great relationship it's still just difficult we're not used to just being confined with people 24 hours a day like I think especially Especially in, you know, this is, again, it's part of the problem of, like, England's housing situation. Like, oh, my God, we, sh- yeah. we shouldn't all really be in shared houses. Like, that's not what should be it's happening anyway. It's horrible. And also, Don't they're really expensive. Yeah. It's not even that yeah. it's, like, affordable. No, like, no. Well, Manchester now, 
it's like London prices to rent a room. It's between five and seven hundred quid. It's going up what? to. Yeah, like for a room for in a, a shared room house. For a room in a house that you don't even want to be in. <laughs> yeah, it's bonkers. This is like what just made me go like, what? Because I was looking at moving out of my current house anyway. And then I figured out like how much it cost. And I was like, well, I might as well just go to Bulgaria and put that rent money into just like doing some nice stuff to the house. <laughs> like live rent free in my own house where I can like afford to be. All these solutions renting wise are really bad like in england yeah yeah yeah. it just doesn't work no and i wish there was more like i really wish there was more just like alternative communities like i'd really personally like to find a site in england that i could live in the van on but like they seem to be quite few and far between unless i'm looking in the wrong places or whatever but they just don't seem like van communities like living on shared land just doesn't really seem to be around very much like it is in like germany or portugal or whatever yeah why is that i found that really confusing as well yeah i don't know and even if you like you know i was looking at campsites long term over winter and stuff and they're just really expensive same price as rent (laughs) like yeah it seems like it's hard to figure out solutions for housing when I was younger, I always thought to myself, what I'll do is I'll find a nice, like, rural community and live, mm. like, communally, you know, with mm. people that have a similar outlook to me. There's a lot yeah. of these, like, intentional communities that have, like, it's very, like, religion-based and it's not really mm. what I'm looking for. Yeah. I could definitely do more research, but my, like, preliminary research into trying to find some sort of, like, communal living... In the mm. UK, it just seems like out of my reach, really. Same. Yeah, no, I totally feel the same, which, you know, I found like quite disheartening because, you know, the reality is, do have tides in England. It would be nice to like spend more time here, but it's just like, what are the options? Where are the options? If you don't want a private rent, like, what are the options? It's different. And even, you know, even if, you know, straight away, I'm just like, yeah, well, we should just get a group of people together and make it happen ourselves but then it just doesn't seem that straightforward even (laughs) no and it seems like you need like a million pounds or something yeah but yeah land ownership is not an easy task in this country that's for sure and you know from what i believe next year they're clamping down a lot more on just like van dwellings and you know nomadic circumstances and stuff just to go back to um the house in Bulgaria, do you think that might end up being a really good investment in terms of maybe financial, but also like culturally? Yeah, definitely. I think like before I moved there, I had no idea what to expect. So I think that's definitely a country that's receptive to young people coming in and like making their their lives there. Um, I think that's actually like pretty good for the country. Like, you know, um and i and also i just you know like i say i feel like a lot of like um young bulgarians are also going back i've seen big changes there and you know whether people are looking for just like they want to own land and they want a different life and a bit more freedom or if they're looking to invest i think it's a good country for that too like you know um i it when i was looking originally it was between that and portugal um, and realistically, I probably wanted to move to Portugal more because it had that surf culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like a few steps above Bulgaria. Like Portugal, it seemed like you could buy land, 
for the same price, but it wouldn't have a house. Or you could buy right. a house, but it wouldn't have land. Where and it would be like in the middle of nowhere. Whereas Bulgaria, you know, um, you can get the house and you can get the land for the same price. And you know, our house is like twenty minutes from the old capital, which is a big student place. It's so beautiful, and it's got like bars and restaurants and, oh, wow. and life. Yeah, yeah, like um, yeah, because I was imagining it to be kind of this out of the way place, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it it feels like it is, but then literally, what you drive twenty minutes and you're in the you're in the old capital, which Veliko Tarnovo, which is just like this beautiful, beautiful city, like um, with yeah, like you know, and it's great. You can like go and have like you know, you can go eat out in a restaurant and booze it up on cocktails, and then get a taxi back to your village, and you probably will have spent the same as you'd spent on like a few pints in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think like. Yeah, at the time when I lived there, you know, I lived there for five years and I ended up, you know, we ended up leaving because we did feel um, like we wanted to return to, you know, quote unquote, civilization. You know, Mm -hmm. we wanted to be around more young people. My husband at the time was a musician. He wanted to, like, make music with people. And, you know, it's uh, the one thing that I would say is for anyone who's thinking about moving to Bulgaria is you have to find a way to... um, earn money like um I, or live on savings or find a way to make money remote because that there isn't like it's not a place that you can just move to and get a job straight away there, there's a struggling mm. job market there but hey isn't that the case everywhere right now you know what i mean there's probably a lot of people who would move from western countries like more western european countries and find the wage insufficient oh yeah but I, you know, I, people I know who live there and myself when I live there, if you can find a way to earn money online or just, you know, it's certainly a place that savings will go far, um, then you've kind of got it made. I think you've convinced me to move to Bulgaria. I definitely think it's worth looking into. It's yeah. still very cheap to buy property there. And also, bonus point, it's easy to get residency there. And as we're about to slide into Brexit, it's, yeah. it's probably good to try and get residency in a European country. I was trying, actually, um, to get residency in Spain. I decided to come back early because the coronavirus was creeping up to towards um, Spain. Obviously, I didn't go back because of... Yeah. everything that had happened because I was really keen to get residency there um yeah. I really do feel like the door is closing and if I don't take the opportunity to get through that door just as it's closing I will regret it like big time yeah. um I have been hearing stuff about Portugal but like yeah. you said it sounds like you'll be getting like low quality middle of nowhere kind mm. of stuff so yeah no I have thought about um Bulgaria but I heard that it it was like a bit of a getchy place, you know. No, it's not my experience. I mean, I think again before I went there, I I, I just felt the same. I think because Eastern Europe's a bit less explored than than mm. Western Europe, you feel like it's a bit more dodge. Um, you know, it depends what you're looking for. Like even Portugal, I was looking again a few months ago mid lockdown. I think I was probably having a crisis, and I was like, I'm going to buy some London Portugal, <laughs> and then I actively started looking, and then just kind of went, oh, I've already got a piece of London. <laughs> Why do I want another one? But it is you know, Portugal's great for like land. It just depends what you want to do like with you know whether you want the house or the land or you want both or or where you 
which culture you want to be a part of and where you want to be close to in, in the rest of Europe, I think, is another yeah. really interesting thing to look at. That's probably, for me, Bulgaria's issue is it's not, you know, it's got the sea, but it's not got the type of sea that I like. It's not got waves. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and it's, it's you've got, a, it's a bit of a, it's in the complete opposite direction to Portugal, which is like, gets on my nerves a little bit, you know. Yeah, once you cross over to Calais, it's either 3,000 miles one way or 3,000 miles the other way. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing about Europe. And once you get used to driving long distance, you can make it anywhere in, like, two, three days. That's the thing. At the moment, I, I think what I need to do is just get myself up to Scotland because I am a really tense driver I wouldn't say I was a nervous driver but I have so much tension when I'm driving because I concentrate so much like that I get really tired really quickly because I'm putting too much energy into it um if but with my new van because it's nice and comfy and it's like a big sturdy vehicle I can relax a bit more definitely I love to drive yeah driving vans there's something about being a bit higher up in something a bit bigger and you feel a bit less like you're gonna fly off the road <laughs> yeah totally it just feels a bit more like if I did take my hand off the steering wheel it probably would mm. be okay for like a few seconds at least yeah and I think you know life's all about uh, titration it's like one drop at a time take things slow don't overwhelm your system so like for me that's why it takes me a long time to get anywhere because I, I like to drive for like two hours a day and then stop and then two hours a day, and then stop. And, you know, I find that a lot less overwhelming. Because, I, I, you know, I used to be a really nervous driver. I didn't drive for, like, three or four years because I was so... I have extreme anxiety about it. Um, and, yeah, I find that just, like, titration. One drop at a time, it builds up your, builds up your immunity to be able to do stuff. Do you know what I mean? So the more you drive that. your vehicle... Yeah. <laughs> You've got so much wisdom. I just feel like I've just been on a journey tonight. <laughs> I've just had all these things that I really needed to hear. Lucy, you made it happen. This is why you started the podcast, right? You wanted to connect with oh, totally. women who were doing what you were doing. And I think that's like, that's so brave and that's so applaudable. And yeah, you kind of manifest in your own reality there by doing oh, that. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. kind of you. Yeah, of course. Like, I've got a lot of admiration for it. I think it'll be great. I really can't wait to just, like, listen to it while I'm driving somewhere. Oh, I'm really excited. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm like you said, I'm, I'm seeing it as kind of a development, so I'm not putting too much pressure yeah. on myself. I'm kind of being like, no one came out of the gate with an amazing product, if you know what I mean. No. Like, yeah, the first few episodes are probably going to be a bit ropey. <laughs> But like it's uh, it's about developing and like growing, and Definitely. I'm really and excited about it. I think that's it. what people connect to. Like we were talking about before with all the Instagram shit. It's like we can't connect to perfect because no one's perfect. Like we connect deeper to imperfection. So be as imperfect as you want. Yeah, and like vulnerability is something that we yes. all have. You don't have to be like, right, when I've got rid of my anxiety, I can live my best life. You can be like, no, I have mm. my anxiety and I can live my best life. And exactly. Once That's you start so thinking well like that, you it, yep. it's such a game changer. 
definitely definitely i think i i had this like real epiphany like a few years ago when i was just like swimming in cold war in france i really hate cold war <sighs> like i hate it like um but i was getting in this river that i really wanted to swim in and i was trying to get in it and my body was just completely tensing and i was getting like you know i was so tight in myself and i was really stressed and it was really like oh it's cold it's horrible and then this little voice in the back of my head just went stop fighting it if you just stop fighting it it'll be so much easier and then i just like let my body go and i was able to like get in the water and i was like oh that's a metaphor for life (laughs) just like (laughs) stop fighting it just let it go get in the water (laughs) it's like you know we approach life sometimes with such tension and such tightness and just resistance 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 but it's like yeah maybe just let it go I'm such a fan these days I'm trying to learn it more and more of sitting in discomfort something's uncomfortable it's all right like sit in that and just like be comfortable in discomfort not in a physical sense like more in a mental sense yeah and then you win you you come out the other side and you're like yes I'm amazing I did it yeah totally totally yeah uh life's great there's so much there's so much room for growth oh I know that's got me through as well (laughs) I have no balance the spikiness of of the like professional surfboards whenever I went in the water I was just like oh my god someone's just gonna like stab me in the head and I just I couldn't handle it and um yeah yeah. again I it's it I think it's you know again surf and fan culture kind of mirror each other they're very much about like how it's meant to look how you know it's not cool to be uncool but you know what I think it's way cooler to be uncool (laughs) yeah like no one respects you when you've got like your big foam board and you're like hello everyone because they're literally the people who have the most fun like you go out the back and it's all just like macho guys growling at each other and scowling and I so much prefer to be around the beginners who are just like whoa (laughs) I think it's like that's what surfing is like you know it's just about yeah having fun you're right they do look like they're having fun they're just having the right laugh yeah and it's like communal it's so much more communal mm, totally. on that side of the water like being following this woman in the northeast and she's really good she does it's called yonder surf school and she just like teaches her whole focus on, on teaching women how to be independent surfers but i really love her philosophy because she's very much about like surfing isn't about standing up surfing's just like you can like be in the water lying down on the board never stand up but catch a wave and you're surfing and I really appreciate that like philosophy of just like the essence of surfing isn't it's just, not like, just trying to stand cool, up. Standing up yeah and because I think that's where a lot of people feel like they fail yeah you know? that's what whereas, happened to me yeah whereas she's just like understanding the ocean makes you a surfer being able to choose a wave and catch that wave whether you stand up or you don't that's what makes you a surfer you know if you love something and you feel like that speaks to you and defines you then why shouldn't it you don't need to prove anything I feel like we've been really tactful because we haven't done any like man bashing (laughs) but like everything we're saying there's an underlying kind of subtext there which is like men ruin everything The patriarchy. The patriarchy ruins, you know, the patriarchy, I'm a firm believer the patriarchy is harmful for everyone. It's, 
it's not good for women it's not good for men it's not, it's not good, good for, for animals anyone it's not good for the planet as anything like it's not good I'm not trying to be like too binary and gender here but we live in a very male-centric world where it's just like when people are like oh you'll be fine sleeping in your van or oh just do it just paddle out back in the water or just like you know what you're worried about it's fine just like you don't need to wash hands you know this is all like very male centric language of just like being run by testosterone and action and yeah women like, communicate by like um exploring their feelings not like mm, getting shut yeah. down like oh you'll be fine it's like, yeah, no, I, I want like, to explore my feelings so I can come to a conclusion about how I can, like, empower myself mm, to do something about it. Exactly. I'm, I'm such, a, such a fan of the, the philosophy that the only way you make sense of things is by saying them out loud. So that's why, it's really, that's why talk culture is really important. That's how you, like, understand yourself is by, like saying what's bothering you out loud talking about your problems out loud it's not like you look into someone for an answer it's like you've got the answer you just need to like say out loud to someone I think a lot of our problems and like inner worries in life stem from the idea of like not being heard or feeling like we're too much or feeling like we're not enough and yeah outside of the patriarchy like maybe we can we can take that down and then we've got more <laughs> to feel heard <laughs> like vo- and... vocalization is such a good way to work out like what are those stupid little voices in your head as well and what is yeah. real and what is truly yeah. like how you feel and what is just like fear yeah definitely definitely and and i think it's like really good to just get a variety of voices in there like i think it's beautiful that like people can empower each other and without talk culture, that wouldn't happen. There's a lot of male-centric culture where, like, people can't talk about their feelings. And I think that's just, like... Oh, oh it's awful. <laughs> like, you know, that must be so lonely and so debilitating and just can't yeah. just figure anything out. Yeah, because the same things that stopped us from, like, skateboarding and, like, being in a band, uh-huh. you know, are stopping men from, like, having those feelings and being allowed to, like, be vulnerable and be emotional or or want to explore feelings and all that kind of thing I mean I'm sure that there's people of every gender out there just like feel nervous sleeping in a van right like I mean surely (laughs) like or feel like an idiot for carrying a skateboard at 34 or like (laughs) every we all share those like you know a degree of the same emotions so that's why I just think the patriarchy is rubbish for everyone capitalism and the patriarchy just don't work it took me years to realize Mm. like that I was seeing myself through a male gaze (gasps) totally like I spent years of my life like behaving in a way that I thought Mm. was acceptable but it was acceptable Mm. through a male gaze and I'm only just really breaking out of that I think it's something that even even with all that knowledge and awareness like I think it's something that even now I probably really grapple with is that was probably a big part of like I was talking about that whole anxiety around like am I van life and right I was doing it for the male gaze like you know what I mean it's just like well I should just be hanging out in my bikini around my van looking like you know the cool girl because you know that's that's what the male gaze says I should be doing it's really hard to kind of because we grew up in it it was literally shoved down our throats yeah um and it's hard because even now you know the culture is still quite I I I like to think it's changing a little bit not fast enough but 
Yeah, like shaking off the male gaze is really fucking difficult. Jesus Christ. We're all told what the male gaze looks like. So even quote unquote men, like probably don't even know what they find attractive, really. Or yeah. don't even know what they want, really. They've just been like shoved with this idea of like what it looks like to be a man, what, what you're supposed to find attractive. And so that was, I kind of hoped that, you know, the silver lining of COVID would be that it just like dismantled the system, but I don't think it has. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it will. I think it's just strengthened it, if anything. <laughs> so you're a travel writer for a living. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you got into that? Yeah, so I actually, um, I studied imaginative writing at university. I was really, like, passionate about poetry and books. I love reading, like, um, I'm a big fan of literature. So, oh, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so when I moved to, so I had no book, you know, I just, like, really studied it because I just wanted to write a novel or whatever. Um, and then when I moved to Bulgaria, I was kind of like, shit, I need to, like, find a way to make a living. So I just kind of fell into travel writing. I, I got on, like, I applied for a few online jobs, which at the time I was just like, no one gets paid online. This must be a scam. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I did it anyway. Um, and just kind of got really lucky. I got picked up by a travel magazine. And then, yeah, and then just kind of started this, like, um, because of my style of writing which is quite um flamboyant and poetic <laughs> um i seem to fit really well into the niche of luxury travel writing which if anyone knows me that's really funny because i'm just like not a luxury traveler at all <laughs> i'm just like the gra- you know i don't even really shower that much so it's quite <laughs> funny that like i just like write about luxury travel for a living yeah so i got picked up by this magazine and i worked for them and they sent me off to loads of nice places and i got to live a bit of a high life for a bit amazing and yeah yeah um but honestly it kind of like stripped the fun out of traveling a little bit <laughs> like i was just like oh. but then i went freelance i decided to go freelance um i think anyone who is self-employed understands especially after covid don't pull your eggs in one basket have multiple sources who are paying your bills if possible because that way if one folds you've still got like a few more to like fall back on so yeah I really learned the lesson the hard way after the magazine folded and I was like oh I've got no income so then I started to go freelance and yeah it's just kind of of grown from there really COVID has not really helped the travel industry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> surprisingly so fortunately I I do I've extended my portfolio a bit I know I do like write for other companies in the luxury space and I just like kind of write general web content for different companies so yeah it's really good because it just means I can work anywhere I've got a rule when I'm traveling in the van you know I live pretty frugally and I just try and make as much money in that day as I'm spending so I kind of break even in life oh that's a good plan that's kind of the the attempt um but yeah I think for anyone who wants to live a nomadic lifestyle I think trying to find some way to make revenue online is the most important thing you can do I'm definitely thinking about what I can do now I've but I always kind of think like you said like oh it's never gonna happen for me like I'm never Mm. gonna be able to make money out of this yeah but you know what someone is so why shouldn't it be you (laughs) (laughs) you know and I think now it's just like it's quite normal for like remote work 
and and especially I think after this period yeah especially now working, yeah it's gonna become normal so yeah I think it's completely a reality that I'd recommend that just kind of like figure out and try and grow whatever you decide to do online I think it takes anyone like a year or so to like get an online business up and running if for anyone who's like in a pretty not dire financial situation if you put those hours in now you can kind of reap the benefits later one of the most important things you can do is just like build a website or something well pick a niche i'd pick a niche of like what you want to write about like or where you think your writing fits it can just be generic about like content marketing or whatever but i find if you kind of go all right you know like for me it's luxury not because i'm passionate about luxury just because i know it but like now you know i'm quite passionate about wine so now i'm like Ooh, oh yeah. maybe i'll just like yeah now i'm like oh maybe i'll just you know try and do some wine courses and then i'll be a wine writer think of and, the like, trips you'll go on myself. as well <laughs> i write i was just like literally this would be amazing california that's it it's kind of I'm getting to a point where I'm like I want my passion you know someone I'm passionate about or interested in and also that's a niche it then I think it's so much better if you can go into the world as a profession you know as a professional and be like yeah I'm an expert in this rather than just be like yeah you know I do stuff (laughs) I'm a writer (laughs) yeah like it's like yeah it's just easier to kind of separate yourself from competition if you pick a niche you can say travel writer and you can literally do everything in that under that bracket or you can say food writer or it's kind of or book writer you know whatever this is what I've learned recently as well for ages I was just like why would anyone hire me for like something that's so easy because for me writing comes easy but doesn't come easy for everyone and it's kind of like yeah so if you are good at writing that's a skill that not everyone's got and people will want to hire you for that skill and it's just like your own belief in yourself that's holding you back there so I definitely (laughs) recommend that you should do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry I'm just laughing because I just love the way you said that I was like it's your own belief by the way that's holding you back there yeah just uh, just a little tip for you I I know because I've been there (laughs) like I had this conversation with one of my friends who also like lives in a van and you know travels and very similar to us like last year and she was like no I just don't think I could do it and then like two months later she just built a website and now she's like full-time writer so amazing that's nice yeah it can be done and I guess you've just got to put that belief in yourself and the work and if you do that then there's no reason why you can't succeed your writing is so compelling when you sent me the questionnaire I was just like this is beautiful this is so nice to read like you said it's like prose like your uh-huh. writing is just oh it's lovely oh thank you yeah, yeah you're definitely in the passion. right job you know sometimes I'm like oh I'm just gonna get a different job because I think when you write for a living it's like you stop writing for passion like really mm-hmm. my dream is to like you know write fiction and publish poetry but because I write all day for other people and sell the words by the time it comes to like write for myself I'm just like I don't want to (laughs) I just want to like watch something crap on tv or whatever or you know read a book and it's hard when you combine creative work with paid work and still struggling to find that balance even now after like years doing it I think you have to make a choice I don't think you can Mm. do both like it's exactly the same with music I spend all my day like singing pop songs for people. Yeah. I don't want to go home and like write music because I've got yeah. nothing left. I've got yeah, no energy it. left. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's something I'm coming to realise. Yeah. yeah. So I can't believe I haven't asked you about your dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with dogs. The most dogs. important person in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Luna. <laughs> So Luna is a Bulgarian street dog who I rescued from the streets in Bulgaria. Um, yeah, I got her when she was about one. She's really skinny, like puppy, but she was so full of life and she's such a big dumb head that um, <laughs> she's a really great companion. So yeah, she pretty much comes everywhere with me. She likes the van when it's standing still. She doesn't really like it when it's in motion. Have you got a dog? There's nothing I want more than uh, a dog. Okay. Yeah, I feel like dogs in vans and this part of style of life, they just make total sense because I feel like so much less alone in life because I've got this dog and it makes me go out every day and makes me walk and it, it, you know, gives me someone to chat to when I'm cooking dinner and they can be just like such a lifeline and so rewarding and they really do fit this life well. I mean, it's hard sometimes, especially like... You know, surfing on hot weather days or in hot countries, you can't leave the dog in the van, you know, for long periods of time, if at all. So, like, it does kind of have a knock-on effect onto how you can travel. But I don't know, I just kind of think the rewards are so much bigger than the drawbacks. Yeah, she's like seven now. She's been everywhere with me. What kind it's, of size you know, is she? Is she like a big dog or? No. Well, I see. I'm always like, she's not a big dog, but everyone is like, she's a big dog. Um, <laughs> she's she's like a golden retriever mix. She's big enough to notice, hairy enough to notice. Um, <laughs> but like, I'd probably recommend anyone who's thinking about getting a dog for a van is to kind of get like a smaller size, like a terrier size, <laughs> because they do take up a lot of space. Yeah, this is the thing. Like my um, dream. Oh, there's a mm. car just driving past. I'll just let it drive past. <laughs> um, yeah, like, in my heart of hearts, I really want a Border Collie, but I know that mm. that's really, like, unrealistic um, for being in a van. Mm, they take a lot of energy. Yeah, that's, and I know, actually, that I wouldn't be able to step up every day for this dog, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, if I had a smaller dog... Yeah. that needs less exercise I would yes. be fine but I just think yeah. it's such a shame because I love them I think they're like I, I remember always wanting a border collie and then I think I just saw one too many border collies that were just like so obsessed with a stick that I was just like <laughs> that would drive me so insane <laughs> it's like yeah they are a bit intense stick. aren't they sometimes <laughs> like, like... <laughs> yeah I mean don't get me wrong like Luna's intense in her own way too but um yeah, you know, I think that's kind of, it's kind of funny when it comes to, like, choose. I imagine it's a bit like what people think when they're going to have kids, where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to get a dog and it's going to be like this, and my dog's going to surf, oh, my yeah. dog's going to be like this. Yeah. And then you kind of just get what you're given, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a sentient being with your own personality, and I can't project my hopes and dreams onto you. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, you are just who you are, and I've got to accept that, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want a dog, get a dog. <laughs> it's it's like one of those things, isn't it, where you're like always waiting for the right time. Yeah, that's the thing, like, yeah. We're 30 in our, like, mid-30s now, and it's like, yeah. how long do you think you have? Like, when exactly is it going to be the right time? Because, like, the time yeah. is now, literally. This time, is your time. The time is now. I would totally agree. It's funny because my mum literally tonight 
went to pick up a puppy oh. after spending after spending the week with me and the dog. She said she came back and she was like, "I really want a dog." Oh, and lovely! Picked up a pup. Yeah, because that connection that you have with an animal is just like so special and so rewarding. Even when it's hard, it's just rewarding. What is so special about them, and it's particularly Luna, I find, is like. They're so loyal, but like literally, you have to be so careful with their love because, not that you ever would, but it's like literally, you could kick a dog in the face and it'd still just come back to you. So that means that you have, you know, it trusts you and you've got to be really careful with that trust and you can't take advantage of that trust. And Especially so like, a golden retriever. Especially a golden retriever. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong, she's definitely. I, we were in France last year, she found some rat poison, she ate some rat poison, like we had a few nights of you know, emergency vet bills and all this and like just like, oh or, you know, she'll just like roll in a dead fish and she's <laughs> you know, it's hard work sometimes. It's worthwhile. What a great family <laughs> member though. Yeah, yeah. You know, as like um someone who isn't necessarily at a time where you're getting married or having kids mm, or whatever. Really yeah. important to have a family unit. Yeah, that's so true. And family can look like anything. You, you know, you make it look like how you want it to look. Oh, totally. And as, again, going back to just what we were talking about with like fear-based travel and like, you know, anxiety and stuff, it's a real help to have a dog in the van with you because you just feel that extra layer of like protection. She's yeah. soft as anything, but she'll bark. That's just to know like enough. someone's yeah. got your back kind of thing. You're not yeah. alone. Yeah, they're, they're great. You should, you should definitely do that. I feel like, actually, it's the next part of my, like, healing and my um, therapy, almost, in definitely. life, is now yeah. I need a dog. That's my next step. <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing practice on, like, trust, love, being open, receiving, giving. Like, dogs really facilitate all of that, I think. I need that in my life. So you're going to be going to Bulgaria for a few months, is that right? Yeah, or? so yeah, in one week, I literally, my room is in boxes right now, I have handed in my notice, so I'm going to get in my van, drive to Bulgaria, spend Christmas there and New Year in the village, and then in January, I'm either, um, I'm either going to drive back to the UK, or yeah, so I'm either going to drive back to the UK and then drive back down to Portugal for round two <laughs> or I will um, drive from Bulgaria down to Greece because I really fancy um, doing Greece in the van I've never done that before definitely thinking to like go full-time in the van maybe do winters like the harder months in Bulgaria with a more solid roof over my head and then yeah I'm just hoping to like spend next year boshing around Europe a bit more um, it's quite hard because normally I do two or three big trips far away I'm not sure if that's going to happen next year yeah. so I um, might be staying domestic but yeah Greece I think is definitely on the cards so I think it'd be so special there to do I'm really into like mythology as well like Greek mythology and stuff so I think that'd be really awesome yeah um, I've got a friend also just during lockdown moved to Ibiza a four year old child which was very inspiring for me so I'm kind of gonna go and try and drive that i've heard you the van life on ibiza is really good as well oh um, spain is the bomb i had no idea until a couple of years ago that spain is just like full of hippies uh, <laughs> just living a life that you can't right. really live in england because of the weather yes yeah just like sleeping yeah. on the beach you know and uh, just 
Yeah, I'm really hoping that this, I mean, I know Brexit's going to make things a little bit more difficult, but, like, I'm just really hoping that, like, it doesn't feel like such a smash in the face for for one life and European travel plans. So. It's so difficult because we've been worried about it for such a long time now. Mm, you know, this has yeah. been going on for, like, four years. Yeah. So I've just made the decision to not worry about it anymore. I'm like, you're not taking up my headspace anymore. Like, I'm done. I'm done worrying yeah. about Brexit. I'm just going to wait and see what yeah. happens. I'm just going to deal with it. <laughs> Definitely. And you know what? We'll adapt. If, if this has taught us anything these last few months, yeah. it's like people adapt. Totally. We'll adapt. That's that. So. Wow. So... Normally, I've got, like, a whole year planned in advance. You know, I think sometimes if you're an extra person, just, like, big plans help you to manage that anxiety. Mm -hmm. But right now, I don't know what I'm going to do after January, and that actually feels, like, really freeing and really good. Your hands are empty. My hands are empty. <laughs> and you're just and waiting. we will see what fills them up. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, listen, well, best of luck yeah, for your trip. So yeah. It was really great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. It was amazing to speak to you as well. And definitely hit me up on social media, stay in touch. I'd kind of love to follow your adventures as well and stay connected. I do plan on coming down to Cornwall and that end quite a lot. So, Oh, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. we'll prob you'll probably be showing me around the houses in Bulgaria before, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> before it, you know exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, amazing. Okay, speak to you later. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, there you have it. That was Jodie. And before I go, here is the bonus feature for this week. A few of my favourite things. Hope you enjoy it. I've written a little list to share with you guys about what it is that I personally love about spending time in the van. Number one, the size. Um, I think I mentioned it last week, I used to have a Suzuki Carry, which was amazing for driving around. It was so narrow and so cute and I could sleep in it anywhere, but it wasn't really a home. It was more like a small vehicle that I could sleep in, which was awesome if the weather was good, but um, I've got to say having a bigger van really shines when you you just want to be completely self-contained, you don't want to be like stood outside your vehicle cooking your dinner, you know, I can do everything in my van, stood up with plenty of room, it's so different, honestly I don't think I could go back now to like a smaller van after this. That kind of leads on to my next point, which is it feels really safe in here. I can lock all the doors and have everything I need wherever I am. The next thing is there's always something to do. I am, by nature, if you haven't already heard me banging on about it, quite an anxious person and I am quite a fidgety person. Having this van lets me 
put that fidgety energy into something useful because as you know those of you out there that live in your van or have a camper van there's always something to do there's always things to put away there's always stuff to fold up there's always things to put in the cupboard yes sometimes it does get tiresome but most of the time I find it's a really good way for me to get rid of some of my nervous energy by just kind of fiddling around doing what I need to do the next point I can get in this van and go anywhere at any time. I don't need to pre-book anything. I don't need to pack. I can just decide, right, tomorrow I'm going on holiday and everything I need is in this van already. This is probably my favourite thing actually about having this van. It's so amazing not having to plan. Next point, I have created a very personal and private space for myself. So to be able to have a small space that is mine that I can make beautiful and I can put all my possessions in, that is so lovely and I really do enjoy that. The last thing on my list is the driving. I love driving a big, heavy diesel vehicle. It feels so good to be in control of such a big old beast. So that's what I like about this van. Thanks for listening to VFF's Van Life Podcast. If you want to write to me, it's vffspodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.